The following message is brought to you by Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We exist to bring glory to God by knowing Christ and making Him known. If you would like to visit our church, we hold multiple services on Sunday mornings starting at 9 a.m. We are located between Motokare Wharf and Edai Town. Pickups are available 7091000. Hi church, uh, we certainly did not expect to meet this way uh, just even a week ago. What a celebration Sunday was as we baptized 20 people in such a joining together of hearts as a faith family and as a church community, covenant community. Uh, church, I'm so thankful for what God's been doing in our hearts and in our church the last few weeks uh, in the last few months and the growth that we've seen, the depth. Um, I've been seeing dads getting saved and following Jesus, and I'm so thrilled because when dads follow Jesus, the children follow Jesus. And families follow Jesus together, and that is so encouraging. Uh, let me just make a couple of announcements, and then we'll get into our sermon. So uh, we were supposed to do a work day yesterday. Um, obviously, that ha- did not happen uh, because of the COVID cases going on. Uh, and so we've go- we're going to just postpone that indefinitely. Uh, I know I wanted to do a work day with you guys so bad, but we're just going to have to postpone that indefinitely. Uh, what we're going to do is I'll just let our staff guys that are working here, um, I'll just let them plug away at it. And we'll also speak with the contractors and see if they can supply a little extra help in so that we can just get that knocked out and it doesn't slow them down. Um, then also for I Love My Church offering, I know Becky and I were so looking forward to this. We actually had three different envelopes that we've been saving up. And so... Uh, What we've done is we've just gone ahead and given that, and if you've got your offering and it's in cash, if you'd like to give it, you're welcome. Any point during the week, you can stop by. Uh, Somebody will be at the front office Monday to Friday, 8 to 4. So if you want to just stop by and drop off your offering, that'd be perfectly fine. Or you can give it online, and uh, we will do our best to get that online number uh, on the Facebook message uh, board if you've not picked that up before. Also, our new members were supposed to be presented today. Uh, again, obviously that's not happening. Hard for us to reach through. If we were going to have a hard time presenting them in overflow, definitely having a hard time presenting them at home. Uh, so right now the plan is we're going to present new members on the 7th of November. I know I won't be here. That's going to be, Lord willing, that will be our first Sunday back together after the current ban. And so what we'll do is on the 7th of November, Lord willing, we'll present those new members uh, to the church. And on that same Sunday, we'll also take up the Lord's Supper. I'm really looking forward to our body being back together. So vitally important for your spiritual growth. And then as I'm going to go to prayer in just a moment, I would like for us to keep in mind uh, there are a number of people in our church right now that have positive cases. I know of four cases right now and possibly five uh, that's not been confirmed yet, but if you would be in prayer for one another, uh, people that we know and love in the church uh, that are currently facing this issue, and uh, the way that the numbers are spiking right now, it's very possible that many more people are already sick and just don't know it. And so if you would be in prayer, be careful, hunker down, do wear a mask. If you're able to go get vaccinated, do it. Um, And so I hope and pray that we would be wise in the next few days. Let me have a word of prayer, and then we're going to get into our sermon. Father, 
I pray that as we look at your scriptures this morning, I pray that our hearts would be united with you. I pray like Moses, Lord, show me your glory. I pray that you would be glorified as a result of our time around your word. And then, Lord, I pray that we would see Jesus as absolutely glorious in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your Bibles, join with me in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 4. I'd like to preach this morning from the passage, Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5. I'd like to walk through both chapters with you. And I want to preach a message this morning. I've entitled it, Thou Art Worthy. And this is the reason for missions. If you want to say why, why do we do missions? It's because of these two chapters because he is absolutely worthy. So I'm going to read through from Revelation chapter 4. We will follow through Revelation chapter 4, and we'll finish at the end of chapter 5. If you are taking notes, I would encourage you to do so. We'll start off in Revelation chapter 4. I'll read verses 1 down to verse 8. We'll see a scene that is set of God's throne. And by the way, his glory is absolutely astounding, and it is far beyond comprehension, but let's get a glimpse of what he says in Revelation chapter 4. Here's John as he writes, after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking to me. I I just can't comprehend if a voice sounds like a trumpet, it must be pretty magnificent going to definitely catch your attention. And it said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the Spirit. And behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. He that sat on the throne was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. That's a bright green stone. I see him and it looks like he's a green stone there. And then there was a rainbow round about the throne and its sight is like an emerald. Uh, and so here's a, a green emerald, a red sardine stone, red jasper stone. I think if John is trying to describe, he's having a hard time finding the descriptive words. It's like this, it's like this, it's like that. Uh, He's seeing something that's magnificent, perhaps like nothing he's ever seen before as he describes this throne of God. Then in verse number 4, And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. They must be important elders if they're seated around the throne of God. Now verse 5, watch this. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. There were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. You get this picture. Here's a throne. This is the throne of God Almighty. And in front of the throne is a sea, a crystal sea. It's a glass, glass sea as it goes out away. Infinitely pure and holy. And around the throne is four beasts. Let's see what these four beasts look like. Verse number 7, the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast a face of a man, and the 
A third beast, the face of a man, and the fourth beast was a like a flying eagle. And the four beasts, each of them had six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Isaiah described this same scene in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1. He said it like this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Don't think choo-choo train. Think of the train that is at the bottom of His regal robes. And it says that it fills the temple. Can you just imagine as the temple of God is filled with His robes, you have to push some aside just to... Step into His presence. He is holy, holy, holy. Further on in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 2-4, to it says that the posts of the temple shook when He spoke. In Ezekiel chapter 10, says that the wings of the cherubim are heard on the outside of the courtyard of the temple. Grasp this image of a holy God who is high and lifted up, the Creator of all things, the One who holds together all things by the Word of His power, the One who spoke and there was light, You can't even speak and make your computer do something right. He spoke and light came out. He's the one who formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into him the breath of life. And he is the one who just as an afterthought created the stars and the great universe that you and I have. And you and I can do our best to try to study the stars. And astrologists have studied for years, thousands of years have studied, and they think that perhaps they've only mapped out as much as 4% of the entire universe, and God made that one also. You see, He's an awe-inspiring, almighty God. And that brings me to the first thing that I want you to grasp, and if you're writing notes down, I'd encourage you to get this one. Here's the very first thing that I want you to see. The glory of the Lord is worthy of all praise. The glory of the Lord is worthy of all praise. Look at verse number 9. When those beasts gave glory and honor and thanks to Him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fell down before Him that sat on the throne and worshipped Him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are created. Oh, I want you to see that the glory of the Lord is worthy of all praise. All things were created by Him. Notice the words in verse 11. They were created by Him and for His Pleasure. You can just think of an artist. When an artist sits down to paint and he spends hours, days, weeks as he makes this work of art, we would say he creates it. And as he creates this work of art, he does it for his own pleasure. And never for a single moment does the piece of art ever think, well, I'm going to rebel against the artist. And yet that's what you and I have done. That's why he has to have this statement, Thou art worthy. Because some people, yea, many people, are not giving him the praise that he deserves. Thou art worthy. You 
deserve it. I know that sometimes in our Christianese, as we just speak, we say words and we don't think about what they mean. The word worthy, it literally means you are due your reward. You deserve this. So God, you are worthy. You deserve this reward. Our praise, we're going to give you praise, God, as you deserve this. Man has rebelled against God, and God's wrath abides upon man. I hope you remember some of these Bible verses, Romans chapter 1 and verse number 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. So God allows man to go into sin. Man rebels. God created him, but man rebels and God's wrath abides upon him. But then God did not just leave man separated forever. God sent His Holy Son, Jesus, to take our place and absorb that wrath that abode upon us. This was in Romans chapter 3, verses 25 and 26, the turning point of the Gospel. For God has set forth Jesus to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say, at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. So all I have to do to escape the wrath of God is put my trust in Jesus Christ. And instead of God putting His wrath on me, He puts His wrath on Jesus. All I have to do is trust Jesus. I might say it a different way. All I have to do is hide in Jesus. Then Jesus took our sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. I hide in Jesus. God pours out His wrath on Jesus. I want you to grasp this one. John chapter 3 and verse 36, the very same passage that John 3.16 abides in. Here's what John 3.36 says, He that believes on the Son has everlasting life. I escape the wrath of God by being in Jesus. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides upon him. There's coming a day, friend, there's coming a day when God will pour out His wrath upon mankind. That's Revelation chapter 4, 5, 6, and 7. This is the moment we see it happening. Is at the end of chapter 4, he says, You are worthy to receive glory and honor and power. It's you who created us, and you're the one who did it for your own glory and for your own pleasure. And in this moment, God is going to pour out his wrath upon mankind. And there is a dilemma. I want you to see it. If you're there, Revelation chapter 5, let me show you verses 1 and 2. There's a dilemma here, there's a problem. John says this, I saw in the right hand of Him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? This book that's in the right hand of Almighty God is the book of the wrath that He will pour out upon mankind's sin. I won't take the time to study that out, but all of chapter 6 tells us all about it. 
There are six seals that get opened in chapter 6, and seventh seal gets opened in chapter 8. And all of those seals are the terror of the wrath of God. You might remember some of them, the pale horse, the red horse, the black horse. Those are the seals that are being broken. And here is an angel who stands in front of all of the, the witnesses in heaven in the throne room, and he cries out, who is worthy to open these seals and unleash the wrath of God upon man? And there is nobody that can do it. See that in verse 3. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I grasped this. I wept much. Because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book neither to look thereon. And here's John weeping. He's weeping because there's nobody who is able to open the book. And I can just imagine in this moment as an angel, a strong angel, it says in verse 2, when a strong angel shouts, who's able to open it? And John looks around and there's nobody there. Nobody is able to open this book. And John weeps. I can only imagine why would John weep about this. The wrath of God is something to be afraid of. Why would you ever let it be poured out? And I can only imagine that John would weep for one very reason. Because the pouring out of the wrath of God is the righting of all the wrongs of the universe. John has seen many wrongs. I'm sure you've seen many wrongs. John has seen many wrongs in his day. Church history tells us that he's perhaps 80 years old or older when he writes this book. At this point, he's exiled at Patmos. He's been burned in oil. He's trained Bible school students who have gone on to be early church fathers that Nero, Titus, Domitian have killed as emperors of Rome. He has watched as believers have been tortured and killed for their faith. And he sees the wrongs that need to be righted. He hears this cry, who's going to open the seals? Who's going to make it right? And there's nobody. And John begins to weep. I can only imagine all of the wrongs of history. If you and I in our short time on this planet have seen the wrongs, I think of the wrongs of just a few years ago. One of our villages, a police shooting, two young men in the village completely unrelated to the issue and yet, here it's been almost seven years and no justice. John weeps for that sort of thing. I think of just a few weeks ago, a bus driver coming down the road takes his eyes off of the road, slides off the road just a little bit, and a guardrail which was meant, intended to keep people safe, instead splits the middle of the bus and children lose their feet. It's a wrong that needs to be righted. John's seen wrongs that must be righted. And here in this moment, John 
is crying. God's going to pour out His wrath, but who's going to make all this right? Who is worthy to open the book? That was the cry in verse 2. Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals? That brings me to the second thing I want you to see. The second thing is that the glory of the Lord is tragically neglected globally right now. Globally, as I look at the rest of the world, I see that the glory of God is not being praised. He is not being elevated. Hey, even in a country like ours where we consider ourselves a Christian country, the glory of God is not being elevated. And yet I can look around the world and see great examples. I think of a country like the Maldives. The Maldives is 99.41% Muslim. The other half a percent is Buddhist. It is estimated that perhaps in the nation of the Maldives, there is only 200 Christians in the entire nation, and it's most likely all of those are expatriate. In 1989, uh, sorry, 1998 was the last known missionary attempt in the Maldives, and in that attempt in 1998, 50 Maldivians were suspected of having turned to Christ, and in that uh, investigation, those 50 were imprisoned and tortured. 19 foreigners were deported from the country. There's a need for people in the Maldives to hear the gospel and for God's name to be elevated and to be praised. I think of the nation of Mauritania on the western coast of Africa with 4.7 million people, 99.84% Muslim. There are zero churches in the whole nation. Nobody in that nation is lifting up the awesome glory of God Nobody is praising the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And around the world, there are many more like that. Right now, there are 4,993 frontier unreached people groups. That means that in a people group, less than 0.1% of those people are known to be believers. There is no growing church among them. And if you were to add up almost 5,000 of those 5,000 people groups, if you were to add them up, their population numbers over 2 billion people. That's greater than a quarter of our earth's population who do not know Jesus and will not hear his name and friend the glory of God is not being praised among those people tragically they're being neglected and yet because in our own hearts we have found other things that we will praise instead of the glory of God those people are not receiving it you see the reason for missions is he is worthy there are other things that grasp our attention like video games Who cares that you made it to the 15th level? Or maybe it's social media and our attempts to make the perfect Instagram post. Every generation, it's not just this one, but every generation is bent on building up their own kingdom of self. And Satan is happy to just let us lift up our own praises and neglect the praise of the one who is worthy. 
Here we are in Revelation 5 and verse 2. This strong angel proclaimed, Who is worthy to open the seals of the book of the wrath of God? Who's worthy? And now the Apostle John is crying. But then an elder reaches out. I can see in my mind as he grabs him by the shoulder. See it in verse 5. One of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Hey bro, quit crying. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And so here is this elder, and he describes Jesus, gives two names that he sees. This is an elder, reaches out to John and says, hey, I want you to see, have a look there. He's coming, by the way, from the throne. So out from the throne, here he sees, the elder sees, one, he sees the Lion of Judah. And by the way, that goes back to Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10. The scepter will not depart from Judah. And then the root of David. This is a Isaiah. Isaiah chapter one and verse 11 and verse 1. A branch shall grow up from the root of David. And for those of us that know about how trees grow, you can cut a tree down. That was the tree of David, by the way. In 586 B.C., God used Nebuchadnezzar to come along and cut down the tree of David, take away all of those kings, and yet you and I know that a root will still put up a branch. And David's root put up a branch, and that was Jesus. And this elder saw it, and he recognized it. Now, it's very interesting in verse 5 that the elder sees Jesus as the Lion of Judah and as the Root of David. But then I want you to see how John sees it. Look at verse 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And here he sees the Lamb of God. Look at what he sees the Lamb do in verse 7. And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. If anybody is worthy to take that book of the wrath of God, it is Jesus. You know why? Because he has already taken the wrath of God upon himself. And now he is the only one who is worthy to unleash the wrath of God upon those who reject Jesus. And I love the way that John sees him. It says that he saw there in the midst of the throne, in the midst of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, it says, stood a lamb as it had been slain. And can you have this picture in your mind? Glorious sea of crystal glass, throne, elders, beasts, and a slain lamb. When I think of a slain lamb, I think of a lamb that has blood on it. And I can only imagine, look here is this lamb, but then notice that it's not a lamb that is slain and dead and lain there. Look at the word that he uses in verse 6. Stood a lamb as it had been slain. This lamb didn't just lay there. He stood. Our Lamb has been resurrected and He is there. He is standing and He will unleash the fury of God's wrath. That brings me to the third thing I want you to see as we finish out this passage. The glory of the Lord. Number three, the glory of the Lord should be most praised by those affected by the sacrifice of the Lamb. The glory of the Lord should be most praised by those affected by the sacrifice of the Lamb. 
Let me read verse 8 and come down. Verse 8. When He had taken the book, this is Jesus, He had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. Here goes, these guys have been worshiping the Father, and now they're going to turn their praise, they're going to turn their worship from the Father to the Lamb. They sung, verse 9, they sung a new song. The last song was, Thou art worthy, and they're talking about the Father, and now they're going to sing a new song. Thou art worthy, O Lamb. Here it is, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. I don't know if you remember this, Earlier in the throne room, but when the beast worshipped, it spilled over to the elders. And now, when the beast and the elders are worshipping Jesus, it's going to spill over to the angels. See it there in verse number 11. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. That's millions. Millions of angels have now joined into the song that's being sung by the four beasts and the 24 elders, and they are singing this song, and that song is in verse Verse 9, Thou art worthy to take the book. Open those seals because You have redeemed us to God. Why would we not be afraid of the wrath of God? Because Jesus has redeemed us and we're hidden inside of Him. Oh, verse 12 continues it on. They are saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Oh, this is lifting up His praises. Then verse 13, because the beasts and the elders and the angels are singing, everybody else has to get in and be a part. Verse 13, and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and is in the sea, and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto Him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. We give praise to the Father and to the Son. And the four beasts said, and I love this, here's all of creation shouting the praises and lifting the praises of God and lifting the praises of the Lamb. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped Him that liveth forever and ever. So I might say like this, if the Lamb is worthy in eternity, He's worthy right now. If He is worthy in eternity, He is worthy right now. And He has done something that you and I need to pay attention to. He's given us a commission. He has told us what He wants us to do between now and the day that we stand before Him. That's given to us in Matthew 28. I hope you remember these words. Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Jesus came, spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. He has all power. And he keeps saying in verse 19, Go you therefore and teach all nations. If all nations are going to make it around the throne, it's going to happen because you and I are the ones carrying the commission and taking the gospel to the nations. 
Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And by the way, you're not going to do this on your own. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So I might ask you, is he worthy of serving? Is he worthy of serving? I think the answer would be absolutely yes. He is well-deserving. He is the one who went to the cross on our behalf. I'll close with a story from the 1700s. There's a group of missionaries called the Moravian missionaries in the 1700s, believers, group of believers. And out from among them, they sent two missionaries. Their first two missionaries were sent to the West Indies to an island that eventually became known as St. Thomas. There was a slave who had escaped from that island and he made his way to Europe and met with those Moravian believers and he shared with them the story about his life there on the island. 3,000 slaves on that island under an atheist slave master. Not a single person on that island was a believer and the only way known to be able to arrive on that island would be to sell yourself into slavery. Two men, Johann Leonard Dober and David Nitschmann, set out to have themselves sold into slavery so that they could carry the gospel to that island of 3,000 people. They did their best and they began to reach out and look into ways to do it. And in a weird sense of transactions and ways that things happened, it turned out that the law prohibited them as Europeans from selling themselves into slave, slavery. So instead, a British princess heard about this and provided the funds to hire a Dutch ship and send them to that island. They became the first of the Moravian missionaries. Before it was over, 20 of the first 29 Moravian missionaries to go to that island died in their early days. The Moravian missionaries would pack their belongings in a coffin. They would take their own coffin to the mission field. Oh, we have it easy these days. These two men set sail on the ship, and as the ship was pulling away from the dock, they knew they would most likely never see their friends again. Their friends stood on the shore Tears flowing down their eyes there in Copenhagen. And the two men locked arms and one of them shouted back across the sea as they were setting sail. And here's what they yelled. They shouted, May the Lamb who was slain receive the reward of His suffering. This is the reason for missions. Because He is worthy. This is not about making a name for missionaries. This is not about taking help to people who need it. This is about making the Lord Jesus Christ look absolutely glorious. And may He receive the reward of His suffering. It was His own creation that rebelled against Him. But it was He who purchased us back to Himself. And so may He receive the reward of His suffering. And I pray that many of us would give our lives, whether it be in our communities or in other places that are foreign to us, may we give our lives 
to help others to see the glory of Jesus. For there's coming a day when we will stand around His throne and we will give Him the glory that He is due. I pray that God will call out from among us many who will take the glory of God to those who don't know it. So Father, I pray that You would do a work among Your people. I pray for my brothers and sisters here in Capital City Baptist Church. I pray that You would help us to see, oh, how glorious You are. You are worthy to receive glory and wisdom and power and honor. I pray that we would give it to You in this life, for oh, how we will enjoy to do it in eternity. I pray that we would As the song says, let goods and kindred go, even this mortal life. And instead we would grasp the glory of Jesus Christ and carry it to the nations. For it's in your beautiful name I ask it. Amen. Love you, church. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Matt Allen of Capital City Baptist Church of Port Mosby. We would love to have you join us for service if you are in the area. If you need help with transportation, please give us a call on 709-1000. Again, it's 709-1000.